Hello, and once again, welcome to Orange is the New Cast, the officially unofficial podcast for Netflix's hit TV series, Orange is the New Black. Tonight, we're talking about episode 313, Trust No Biatch, I think is the title. Joining me tonight is Kelly Anakin, uh, one of my fellow co-hosts in the Bald Move Network. She holds down all of the, uh, uh, all things Edwardian. You're, you're doing Peaky Blinders now? Yes, and I don't trust you, bitch. Uh, you should not. You should trust <laughs> no 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 bitches. I think is is the the motto we're looking for here. Yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of that as a motto. But yeah, we're doing a, the Peaky Blinders podcast family meeting. We are kicking off season two. Uh, I don't know when this is going up, so it'll be That's true. It's, it's it'll going, definitely it's going out next Wednesday. Okay, well be... then we will have done the first episode uh, that previous Sunday. So listen, I'm not good at math. Just know <laughs> that if you love me on this podcast, you can go and listen to that immediately. Yeah. It's... Uh, or the hundreds of other episodes of podcasts that I have available at baldmove.com. Yeah, you got quite the, quite the collection. Uh, We've been going for like three years on our uh, Downton Abbey and Mr. Selfridge and everything else in between. Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. I'm a big fan. I'm as, you know, uh, started off with your uh, Downton Abbey podcast. Highly recommended. And uh, I like to see you guys branching out. I like what you're doing. We're uh, we're excited. We're we're talking about some exciting other things for when Downton Abbey is over, which I won't say anything about yet because we don't actually know what they're going to be. But we're <laughs> figuring it out. So, you got anything you want to talk about as far as the episode itself before we just plow into it and start recapping? Um, I liked it. I think this season as a whole, I liked better as it kept going. Uh. I think we talked in my last appearance about how I had preferred season two. Yeah. Uh, Cause I loved all things V. She was definitely big influence on me as far as Orange is New Black goes. Uh, but I really liked some of the themes that they kind of tied up here in this last episode. Agreed. Um, yeah. And I know we both are very excited to talk about the sort of religious focus of the episode. So Indeed. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil too much of that as we get into it, but right, right. No, I, I mean, in terms of our discussion, I would assume people have already watched this. <laughs> it's not, been available what, for months. What are you doing? You're having sex without a spoiler condom. It's, uh, <laughs> it's crazy. Ew. It's craziness. Uh, I didn't even know that was an option. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't, it's weird because I feel like episode or season two had higher collective stakes. That maybe I didn't care as much about because, you know, it, it was clear that V had to be defeated as the villain. Whereas season three had a lot more smaller stakes, but were super important to the individual that I did care about. Hmm, so it's like, how how do you balance the like, you know, you had Darth Vader in one season, but then you have this the really great stuff between Boo and Pentateuchy and Cindy's spiritual conven- uh, conversion and all all those things. Piper t- taking her stringer bell turn. I don't know how to say which is better than the other. I'm having a hard well, time. And I think, too, I think that there is that overarching uh, kind of big bad here, although the, it doesn't affect the inmates yet. But in um, the, uh, I forget what the name of it is, the, the prison company. Oh, MCC? Yeah, Danny's Dad, whatever the hell it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, the MCC I mean, Prison Factory? That's the big bad. And I mean, you see that impacting them in small ways in terms of like the food that they're given and the prison jobs and things like that. But, you know, it's just this sort of like, and then we do see that affecting the employees Mm -hmm. the entire season. I mean, that's their entire storyline. 
right. uh, except for the donut rapist. Right. Um, Which that also so, has I mean, a trickle down effect and is affecting the employee. Or, I mean, the, the prisoners. Yeah, themselves. exactly. So, I mean, I think it's, it's an interesting tech and I think the season as a whole is more scattershot than I would have liked. Um, particularly as you know, the cast keeps growing. I mean, it didn't grow yeah. that much, but I mean, if you throw in, Lori Petty's character, who yeah. gets a lot of screen time. You throw yeah. in, uh, what's her name? Ruby Rose. Uh, no, actually, uh, Stella, Stella, Stella for Star. Uh, she's all of a sudden very important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, freaking Voss is back. Oh, yeah. God. Anyway, we should probably just get into the episode. But okay. I just, you know, I think they're at this point where there's this uh constant outward growth in terms of the inmates and i'm curious to see what the effect will be in series three because obviously they're doubling the population i was about to say they're about to take the cast lever and shove it to you know full military power it's it's yeah and i i just i i have no idea uh how that's gonna work uh so i guess that's up to you know queen genji and her staff of uh immortals yeah, I mean, I don't I, know why I'm calling him that. That doesn't even make any sense. Because <laughs> they wear the silver masks, clearly. That's true. Uh, I think that if I, I, I guess, yes, I'm kind of scared about how they're going to handle it. But on one hand, the the dynamic engine that drives this is the revelatory looks at these people's past lives, mm-hmm. and we're about at the bottom of the barrel for that. So an injection of new, you know, past stories to mine is probably a good thing. But I. I you know I'm kind of skeptical about an additional season of Warden's of New Black. I mean, here's what I'll say. Number one, I don't think Genji Cohen gives a shit what we think. Sure. So that's helpful for her. Yep. Um, but I mean, also, I don't know. It's weird. I cut this show so much slack, um, and it may just be because I'm a bleeding heart liberal. But uh-huh. like, I cut it so much slack. Mm-hmm. because there is no other show on TV that's even trying to present this cross-section of America's socioeconomic strata. Um, and, like, I always binge-watch it. So if it's shitty, I'm done with it in two days. True. You know? I mean, which makes this kind of weird, because, like, I've, like, so moved on mentally. Yeah, I know. That's Again, why I... oh, man, I know I recommended it last time, but Unreal has gotten real, and everyone should watch it. Okay. <laughs> uh yeah i mean i i get it it's like you know a, a, a heart band-aid for your bleeding heart uh yes. and it's a very low commitment one at that so why not I, i'm not saying i i don't want to see another season i'm just saying that narratively i kind of wonder what it would look like if they just went out like this you know if if if, if the, the the girls playing in the water if the women playing in the water were was not the final image Genji Cohen would never, never, ever let anything end at a natural ending point. Okay. So That's I think true. we can just let that go. Like that, <laughs> that would never happen. All right. Well, let's move right into the episode 313, Trust No One. I am strapped in and ready. Uh, Pinsatucky and Boo wonder what's wrong with them because they're sitting here feeling bad about uh, literally almost raping uh, <laughs> uh, Coates, the prison guard. And. Mm-hmm. But Pinsatucky realizes, you know what? I'm not a rapist. I'm just not Swedish enough, uh, and <laughs> I I can't do it. And I I thought this was, I mean, I was I was prepared, like I discussed last episode. I was prepared to go down the plot that the you know of of the broom handle into the anus. Um, <laughs> but I gotta say, this this swerve was unexpected and delightful. 
Like that she's above this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't think I ever took it that seriously that they were going to really? do it. Um, I don't know why. I don't even remember what my initial reaction was. Like the actual, you know, the the Pennsylvania episode where they go into her past was just so brutal. I feel like I kind of had to dissociate myself from this plot line. Uh, uh I mean, you know, I was glad. I was glad even just that they knocked him out. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like that was enough for me. Like just to drug him, I was like that was enough revenge for me. Uh-huh. I didn't necessarily need more than that. Okay. Uh, but I mean, you know, it doesn't, again, it doesn't surprise me. And I think this is interesting because the, you know, the sort of rape revenge plot is kind of uh, a hoary old chestnut. Sure. And, you know, in general, that's not what, you know, and I don't want to speak for all, you know, rape victims, but I think most people, they don't necessarily want revenge. They just want justice. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they don't think they're going to get it. So they kind of went this route. So. But I don't. I don't think revenge fantasies are anything wrong. I mean, Steven Spielberg well, I mean, made a no, lot I'm of money. No, I'm just saying the difference between actually yes. executing versus wanting revenge. Yes, yes, yes. But I was trying to unpack that about like, okay, if if you were like the person, like, oh yeah, I can't wait to see Coates get his. It's. I don't think that's a a terrible impulse because again, you know, watching Indiana Jones beat up the Nazis real good, it feels good. You know, to see yeah. villains kind of get their comeuppance, even if it's gruesome and sometimes. But I like that. You, like you said, they didn't go down toward that cliche, that trope. So, I mean, even, you know, going further than that, it's really great to watch uh, the ending of Inglorious Bastards and Hitler get burned alive. There you like, go. That's a more contemporary reference. Thanks for saving my, It is. You're my welcome, ancient Grandpa. ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, it's been uh, over 25 years, I think, since Rangers <laughs> of the Lost Ark at this point. Uh, so anyway, uh, the, the point is, this is a nice moral triumph. For Pensatucky, but as Boo says, you know, you're still on drive detail, so yeah. more to come. Uh, Pusey comes and gets Tasty because she wants to let her know that she's found So-So dead in the library. And I love the fact that Suzanne goes full on, like, lean on me, like, let's go see the dead body, let's go see the mm-hmm. dead body. Because, you know, who who wouldn't want to see one? Suzanne's so great this season. Uh, she got nominated for an Emmy again, didn't she? Yes, she did. And I think uh, this time is supporting. I think she was uh, like featured guest or something when she won last year. Plus, also they're in the drama category, which is a bit more competitive anyway. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just it's that whole thing is weird. Yeah, no. I, again, Genji Cohen, Queen Genji knows no genre. You right. know, she's not gonna be boxed in right by your yeah. patriarchal awards categories. That's, that's true. So uh, they I should act- just they should just have a new award show called the Genjis. The Genjis. <laughs> Um, I'd watch it. It'd be crazy. It would go on for way longer than it should. Oh yeah, people would just like get up and leave. And when the audience, the auditorium is half full, that's when everything would be would be over. Um, <laughs> the bald move position is the Emmys are stupid, and yeah. they make us angry, so we try not to talk about them. But uh, good on her for winning them because I know. So you know, Maggie Smith did not get nominated this year. Yeah, but it you know, the, Carson. It is the first year since Downton Abbey. Uh, has existed that she didn't get nominated. But Mr. Carson... I mean, honestly, we're glad, because, like, Maggie Smith doesn't give a shit about an Emmy. Right. Right, Half these critics can't stomach me, let alone stand me, (laughs) is probably her position. I think that's exactly what it is. That's what it says on on all of her stationery. Yes. Uh, But Soso, you know, is not dead, in fact. She just took a shit ton of pills. Uh, I'm so glad she's not dead. Yeah. Like, I... 
I couldn't handle it when it happened to Trisha. Uh, I couldn't handle it if it happened to Soso. I really, I identified super hard with Soso this season. See, I so did the fact not. that she's not dead made me really happy. Okay, I did not like Soso, but I did not wish her dead. So I was glad to see, and actually, where she's ending up, I think at the end of the season, um, I'm kind of on board with. Me too. I'm excited to see where that goes. Uh, which we go into a so-so flashback where we see her mother, who I guess I'd describe as one of those tiger moms you're always hearing about. Yeah, but she's white. Is she? Was she? I can't I remember. Thought she was. I don't know. But no, I. I I'm thought... pretty sure So-So's mom was white, though. Hmm. But see, when you get on the hoary edges of mixed race, I start this. You know, I start. I start not being able to see where everybody's from but i thought she was i thought she was an asian mom but if she's a white mother raising a half asian kid her position is uh creationists are stupid and they don't place in the science fair and also there is no heaven or hell there's just our accomplishments and that's the only thing people remember us for and if you try to cheat or take shortcuts you will be forgotten forever by an unfeeling uncaring universe honestly i'm on board with her parenting strategy really Mm-hmm. Although honestly, uh, playing pure Gint is a bit much for a small child. <laughs> um, oh, she played beautifully though, didn't she? Yeah, of course. I was so impressed with her. I was like, little so-so, why did you become a smelly hippie? Right. It's I pro- mean, granted, I know why. It's because yes. her mom yelled at her. I did love that she said that her her friend's parents were always watching the Seven Hundred Club. Always. Always watching them. I feel like people, you know, you're not casual about your 700 Club watching. You're like a really hardcore fan. I mean, that's the point of, you know, that type of uh, incendiary, you know, uh, propaganda. Yeah, it's like it's like they want you. They want you to tune in all the time. It's like Breaking Bad fans. They don't DVR that shit. They, they, you know, last season you watch it live because that's what you do. You don't you don't DVR Pat Robertson. You you, you watch it. Uh, well, I do, but only because I'm at work uh, <laughs> a lot of the day. Uh, <laughs> Healy is so proud of helping Soso. He's coming home, and he's all just a buzz and wanting to tell his his uh, miserable Russian wife about how awesome he is. He makes a lame Asian joke that's kind of a little bit of a Sarah Palin, I can see Russia from my house, and uh, she's not impressed. He just fucking goes off on her, and talks about how he does all these nice things and she should show some appreciation and then she says she wants her a divorce and he says get an apartment and there you go healy's healy's healy healy's got a healy man yep heel's got to be a heel yeah this is a really interesting scene like i thought it was a little on the nose uh although i did like the whole thing i like healy's exchange with her about the lasagna classico because that's such a like married person thing to do, like even sure. in this marriage that sure. neither of them enjoys. Right. It's just like you know, I like that. Why don't you bring me that? Yeah, you know, you don't finish it. You don't eat. You yeah. don't, you don't. You come on. You don't. You do not finish a Olive Garden size helping of lasagna. You're way too skinny to be doing that. Bring the rest home to me. Do you see what I'm trying to pack away here? I don't even understand that lady. Like. I guess that's why she looks the way that she does and why I look the way that I do. <laughs> I'm like, what? How are you leaving lasagna on your plate? That's just I, not okay. I, I do realize they have bottomless breadsticks and salad, too. Don't, don't get me wrong. Oh, I, ma'am. I leave Olive Garden hurting mentally, oh, yeah. emotionally, and physically. Uh, so anyway, they're, I guess, going to amicably separate, or at least he doesn't want to have another prisoner in his life, which 
is more self-aware than I gave him was was kind of like thinking that we'd give him credit for, but you know, whatever. Shall we move on to the next scene? Yeah, let's do it. Because it's girl on girl vomit inducing. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed this. Yeah, this this is uh, something that it, it it could have been uh, the beginning of a Brazzer film. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, Suzanne's super excited about the forced vomiting. Uh, there's sympathetic vomiting. There's references to pul- Pulp Fiction. They they took it upon themselves to save Soso's heart or save Soso's life, and I like it. What mm-hmm. is there to say? No, and I like you know. There's some conflict among the group about why they're doing this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, particularly from Janae. Yeah, Janae's not exactly happy about the uh, intersectional. Uh, association going on here no and it's so weird because i always think of black cindy as being the meanest one but it's actually janae Hmm. like janae is the most ruthless one of all of them like she does not have time for anybody Hmm. and it may be because she's been in shoe so much Hmm. yeah it does seem like they make it a point that that changes a person Mm -hmm. uh bursette needs to get out of shoe is the mission that danny and caputo have in this episode and he wants to just charge up that hill and demand it be done. And Caputo tries to tell him, like, look, if you get yourself fired, you're not going to do poor Sophia any favors because she'll still mm-hmm. be in shoe and now no one will be there to fight for her. Right. Pretty uh, – Caputo, I feel like, grew in wisdom by leaps and bounds by the end of this season. Oh, totally. I mean, he's really coming to his own. Yeah. I'm interested to see what he does with he's what he has to ride the challenge of double the inmates next year. And also mm-hmm. the kind of double cross he played on the the prison workers, like how he's going to resolve the labor issue, whether he's going to be a company man, um, whether he sees that as a something he has to do to get Sophia out of shoe. I mean, there's a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of Greek tragedy there uh, in, in, in store for his life. I mean. But that was his whole flashback, you know? Nothing ever goes right for this guy. True. No matter how hard he tries. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I talked about that plot ad infinitum, uh, however many episodes it was ago. But uh, mm-hmm. don't, don't want to go down that lane. Uh, yeah, we've already gone there. We've already done that. Uh, Norma's group is down to just Leanne, Angie, and Gina. And they're talking about whether rats have fleed a sinking ship or whether they're sheep or the rat sheep. And Norma is kind of getting tired of this shit. Uh, and they're putting a lot of pressure on her to give her, give him a sign or a miracle. Right. Yeah. And I find Norma kind of annoying by this point. Cause I'm like, you know, you could step up at any time. Like we know she knows how to write things down. Yeah. But she's also a follower. And what happens when you promote a follower into a leadership position and then flatter the shit out of her? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I was hoping to see a little bit more moral guidance from her, but... That's just not her thing. No, it really is not. Uh, no, I mean, and then what happens when, you know, the follower becomes the leader, yeah. but another leader steps up to, you know, try and kind of guide leader you know i feel like i was going no, in the it's right a total, semantic it's, direction there it's, but it's, it's a total linen stalin thing yeah exactly <laughs> um flock Does that make angie the trotsky it's yeah dude, I'm, <laughs> I'm more comfortable talking in terms of napoleon and snowball okay uh, so fair enough. my history my, my grasp of orwell is much stronger than my grasp of early 20th century history 
So some cult members are more equal than others. Yeah, she'd definitely be the Napoleon. Yeah. And and uh, you know, Norma is definitely Snowball. Mm-hmm. Which would make Kusei the horse? Um, probably. Boxer? Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. It's been a really long time since I read Animal Farm. <laughs> okay. Uh, indeed. Almost as long as the last good Indiana Jones for me. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Flocka wants back into the prison gang panty infrastructure. There's lots of Godfather quotes that are exchanged. She drops the bomb that my mom has cancer. And Piper lets her back in at a lower buy-in rate. And Alex comes over and says, you're still a creep for doing all this, but I want you to know this is some weak shit that you're being Mm -hmm. played and you're being stupid. And I, I, yeah, at this point I'm kind of on board with everything that Alex is saying. Is this the first that we've heard about Flocka's mom? Yes. I seem to remember that kind of coming out of nowhere. And I remember thinking that that set off, alarm bells in my mind too like i was fully no, expecting I'm just like, I mean, you know not that people's moms can't get sick it's just like why are we finding out when she's telling piper well, like why are we not finding out when she's telling one of her actual friends yeah yeah i, I don't know it's a it's it's uh i can feel i can hear the the writers clacking away at the keyboard a little bit on the mm-hmm. scene it's like exactly. oh, we, we need something uh, we got when 90 it's minutes like, to you know, here. God forbid we miss an opportunity for yet another scene of Elena being a terrible mother. Mm, indeed. Uh, Gloria loses her shit over a bag of gross peas, um, which Alita chalks it up to man troubles. And she's, you know, still trying, even though that Sophia at this point is in his shoe, she's still spewing her venom and hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Red offers to give her a cucumber, but it's not that kind of man problem. And Red's analysis is like, you know, sometimes there's just a mess and it happens. Uh, Yeah. And we've seen Red compartmentalize that kind of stuff with like Gina getting burnt by the fry oil. And, uh, you know, I I don't know what Red, you know, as a conservative Russian deep down thinks about Sophia, but probably not super positive. So it kind of makes sense. You know, I would say Red's pretty live and let live. Really? Uh, I mean, we know she never went to her to get her hair done. Right. Um, she always had Norma do her hair. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we've ever seen them interact. Mm. All right. Uh, we have Lorna and her Jersey Shore boyfriend having a visitation. And she senses there's something wrong. And he's... You know, feels like he's got he's in a poly D J Wow 2010 situation, and uh, he says it's blue balls of his heart, which was an ironic, funny statement that was also said in total seriousness last week on True Detective by a character in a non-ironic sense, which is kind of mind blowing. Oh my god, you're right. I don't watch that show, but for some reason, I read about it all the time. Sure, like you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, and she then senses that she, this is her moment and she proposes to him. It's pretty kind of, it's actually a, a funny and sweet scene. She proposed, if you can forget how kind of crazy she is, uh, oh, they're both crazy. He bit up. That's you know, true. Just on her say so. So you're, mm-hmm. maybe they're, they're meant for each other. He'll, he'll get a matching orange jumpsuit next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she proposes the magazine rings a uh, ring and she said, he says yes. And they get official permission to kiss and there you go. Gonna have a yeah, I uh, I like this relationship both for its subversion of gender roles and they're just like they're just so perfectly matched. Mm. They're both exactly as crazy as the other one. 
Right on. And, you know, hopefully nobody gets hurt again. <laughs> what did you, and then we get a, what I think is this fairly pointless flashback to Morello where she's a flower. No, she's not a flower girl. It's her first communion. Oh, no, man. This was one of the best flashbacks in the entire show. Okay, to explain. Uh, I'll let oh, you run my with God. It, all she's ever wanted was to get married so she could have a wedding dress, man. That's all she's ever wanted. All she ever wanted was to have an awesome dress. And I loved uh, how she said eating white foods makes you fat. This is exactly okay. the kind of girl that our society wants us to be. Huh. Like, if you listen to all of the women's magazines and you, you know, take all of the advice and you think that the, the highest calling you could possibly have is to get married, you would have Morello. And you can see she was fully formed in this mold at the age of, you know, uh, eight years old. Interesting. Oh, my God. I love this flashback. It just it was just like, oh, no, she's just always been like this. And ironically, if you take it too far, we'll put you on Bridezilla and mock you for 60 minutes. Uh, yeah, but, you know, that sounds like a you problem. <laughs> <laughs> so Red uh, Norm notices Norma kind of off by herself with Leanne, and Gina chooses this time to be, like, jump off the cult of Norma and start talking to her. Uh, and they have this kind of nice conversation about the first woman in space who was a Russian and how Red really respects that and how she's still alive and wants to go to Mars, which mm-hmm. I didn't actually receive if that's uh, research that if it's true, I, it probably is. And it's really badass. Russians are focused. She says they, they do. They, they, you know, that's, that's on her bucket list. God damn it. And she's going to fight until she's either on Mars or dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Leanne then notices a Norma-shaped scorch mark on some toast, and it becomes a Toast Norma mir- miracle, and it actually starts energizing the whole congregation. Gina gets sucked back in. The whole cult of Norma is back in full swing. I mean, this is how cults work. They uh, they need a sign. And but it's I also how Roman... This up, though. I don't think it looks like Norma. It's also how Roman Catholics work? Like, yeah. It's, I oh, thought yeah, that was I interesting. <laughs> I thought it was interesting how they kind of like blur that line a little bit. It, I think intentionally so with the criticism, no? I don't know if their show is actually critical of religion. It's very agnostic. Mm. But what I'm saying is at least when you're throwing in something that's kind of associated with a more kind of saint Roman Catholic thing into a kind of bizarre cult, there is a little bit of, I mean, if not criticism, commentary. I mean... Like just getting people to question their assumptions. Like, look, I I get it. You're a true believer, but you believe in zombie Jesus. I don't know. I think it's a cheap shot if you look at it that way. Really? Well, nobody who watches this show thinks that anything appears in toast. Hmm. This show is for bleeding heart NPR listening assholes. Okay. Uh, fair enough. Uh, so 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 is we find out she has like a hundred Benadryls in her. And this is where you talk about Janae kind of like saying, hey, she's not one of one of us. Why are we doing this? And Suzanne points out, you've never been to psych and mm-hmm. it's a terrible thing. And we we've we've it's important to save this person from that. Yeah. And uh, Janae gets so mad because they never saved her from the shoe. But as Tasty points out, you come back from the shoe. And also, how do you do that once you've punched someone or done? You know, it's not like. You can jump in front of that train, whereas if you can, like, if there was a weekend at Bernie's type situation that they could pull <laughs> with Janae to get out of the shoe, I'm sure the girls would. Yeah, there's a but difference. that's just not possible. Yes, exactly. Exactly. 
And also, this is the, you know, Black Cindy continuing to work on her conversion, you know, Jewish conversion paperwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then have a Janae flashback where we find that her father is a very staunch uh, brother in the nation of Islam. And he has a problem with her running track because she's running around half naked in public. It's time for her to start wearing, you know, the very conservative headscarves and stuff for, for his religion. And this is standing between her and her college tuition. And she says, fuck all that and get slapped in the face for it. Any and co- I like the choice that they have her mother, who obviously is an adherent, mm-hmm. you know, sticking up for her daughter and saying she won't be able to go to a good college if this doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But this was a pretty devastating one as far as the flashbacks go. This one was really hard to watch. Hmm. I mean, obviously, it, it sheds light on kind of Janae's attitude and, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to build a pretty high wall if this is your family situation, you know. Indeed. Uh, Daya's back from delivering her baby and that whole situation. Uh, and she's not talking to her mom because she's angry that she pulled the whole bait and switch deal on her. And I mean, like you said, you nailed it. This is another scene of Alita being terrible and then covering it with a little bit of layer of smarm at the end. And I, are we supposed to be thinking that this is a thaw in the cold war of their relationship? Or is this just, we're supposed to be cynical about it or, what do you think Jinji thinks is the creation? I don't know. Care? I mean, I honestly don't know what they think about this because it's kind of a mess. It's just such a toxic relationship. Yeah. And, Which happens. And even by the end of this episode, it's like, Oh, you know, everything that Alita did, like they try to justify it, but I'm like, she's a monster. Yeah. And a monster with inconsistent positions on everything, too. Exactly. And I just I wish I felt like the show agreed with me, but I don't know that they do. Yeah. Uh, But like I said, maybe just by showing it as a realistically toxic relationship, they're trusting us to be smart enough for that to be its own commentary. Potentially. Uh, We all do listen to NPR. (laughs) Danny's dad is educating them on scotch and nosing and all this other rich guy bullshit. This made me so mad. And he is, you know, trying to teach his son the art of seduction and and long-term priorities. And Danny's, like, fed up with it. He's like, you're placating me. You're talking in a bunch of uh, old dude circles. You're Obi-Wan Kenobiing me. And, you know, they're trying to make the distinction between protective custody versus solitary confinement. But it's the same damn thing. And Danny just says, fuck this and quits. He does not take the Caputo route. The mistake Danny makes here... Danny immediately flips into child mode. Like, yes. And this is why you shouldn't work for your parent. It's infuriating how easy that is. No, as soon as they start going after you, you immediately revert to being seven or whatever. Exactly. And and you can hear that high pitched whine get into Mike Birbiglia's voice almost immediately. Yeah, sure. And you can't negotiate from that position. Like, you just mentally aren't capable of it. No, no. Solid advice don't work for your parents. Yeah, don't do it. Sorry. It's not worth it. <laughs> Whatever uh, you think that you're going to get out of it, like, ugh. I don't know. I mean, there does exist in universes good parents and po- you know that have positive relationships. Yeah, I was going to say, I do hear that some people have great relationships. That's the with thing. Their parents, we're we're but... terrible, terrible people to give <laughs> advice on any kind of parental relationships with. But I don't know. I still think it's got to be, even if you have a very good relationship with your parents, it's hard to self idiate. It's know? like working with your spouse. Like yeah. if you had to like, like, you know, doing a podcast as we both do with our significant others, that's, that's fine. But like 60 hour work week, 
and then the rest of the time you're sleeping and eating and and mm-hmm. farting and with that's that's too much it's too mm-hmm. much of a good thing well it's just like you know how do you uh how do you have anything to talk about you know yeah you got to recharge in my in my opinion uh anyway flaca is in the library with uh, piper and piper is like you know being sneaky about her cell phone green dot money card charge ups and again Flack is kind of glib in her performance, at least the actress's performance of, you know, her mom with cancer and the being thankful for the opportunity. And I, I remember thinking like, maybe Flacca is playing Piper. I thought that was too obvious to begin with, but I'm like, well, I mean, they're kind of like hinting at it. So maybe this is what we're doing. Yeah. They were definitely trying to keep everybody off balance. So Lolly is tinfoiling up, uh, Alex to beat the band. And this is the danger of, uh, (laughs) <laughs> of working with the crazy instead of against it. Like, yeah. you know, short-term, brilliant solution. Long-term, now you got to hear about Tower 7 every fucking day. Yeah. Uh, and Chang and Lolly, I thought, had an amusing conspiracy off. Oh, uh, that about, was so great. I want to see more of them together next season. I want to hear all like, of the, I just, I love that. Everything about aspartame and Monsanto and monoculture. And yes, like, I want to hear it all. Uh, I would really, I would really like for Chang to have her own uh, spinoff. To be perfectly honest, really, mm-hmm. hmm. I think Chang is one of the most interesting people on the show. Wow. Uh, okay. Um, I think. I mean, she's still, even though we got a lot more of her backstory, she's still uh, more of a sketch of a character. But potentially, she's the most ruthless, most management-oriented, most Michael Corleone gangster chick in this whole prison. Yeah. That's I'm saying is what we know about her between the time that she had that guy killed and now like what happened there and she's got her contraband game down pat like because she's the invisible woman she's the invisible woman Mm -hmm. um let's talk about uh so so uh goes in and asks healy about birdie rogers and he's coaching her on what to say about this investigation and she just says flat to him you're really bad at your job you make Which me is feel, great, and I me... wish he would have killed himself right now. <laughs> I really wish he would have. Yeah, and then she's kind of like channeling Luna Lovegood here, and she's like, I'm going to go now, and it's kind of dreamy yeah. far away. I've I've compartmented. Well, I mean, she's still dealing with the uh, Benadryl. That's true. I know what I'm Stacey like. she says, you know, she took 100 pills, and she weighs about three pounds. Yeah, I mean, I, I weigh uh, approximately 100 times that, and I also know how <laughs> I behave on two Benadryls, so not pretty. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's a prison tat scene, a homemade prison tat. I guess that's redundant. Um, and Piper wants an infinity symbol, which Ruby Rose makes fun of her for. And then she decides to give her the uh, the trust no bitch white ink tattoo and tells her to embrace the pain because it's yours. And Piper says she's going to miss her because she I don't know. Oh, Piper's just like an emotional, you know, gaping maw. She just yeah. needs to feel things. Yeah. And I also feel like the, um, the whole tattoo culture thing just annoys the crap out of me. Like I have tattoos, mm-hmm. but I don't have to make a whole freaking thing about it. Mm-hmm. But people who get sleeves and stuff and are tattoo artists, they're very like invested in that whole thing. Sure. Sure. But I'm like, you Everybody can't expect everybody to be part of that. That's true. Uh, so then we have a flashback with Gloria pregnant with her first son, Benny, I believe. Mm-hmm. And except for at this point, it's her first daughter. And then her aunt mom, not sure. I, it's I, her, 
I think it's her aunt. Okay. Or maybe great aunt? No, just aunt. I don't know. I mean, she's this, you know, she's the same woman who was in Gloria's flashback yep. last season. Yep. And uh, she does some voodoo on her belly and presto changeo turns the vagina into a penis in utero. And it's it's a, it's, it's at least on the level of Norma Toast. As far as miracles oh, it's go. way. I mean, I I like this a lot because again, this is what I mean about it being agnostic. Like, was it just an error in uh, the sonogram, or did Santeria really work in this case? I would go with the so- error in the sonogram, but you know, I'm I'm kind of a, a man of science when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> yeah, but this is clearly again, as I've said before, this is Genji Cohen's gay fantasia in a women's mm-hmm. prison. Uh, so magic could exist. Okay. Uh, that would be an interesting season four twist, like full on Hogwarts. Oh, uh, that would be so annoying. Litchfield Castle. That'd be the most annoying season four. Uh, they've already got the houses, you know, kind Ugh. of done on racial lines. Come on now, it could be a musical. Mm. Harry Potter. They, Litchfield they musical. can't sustain. Harry Potter was never a musical. <laughs> but it it should be. Isn't Look, Julie Timor working Green on that? Like right now, scene does not a musical make. Okay. Uh, I would like to see some more frog band or toad band action. Uh, so now we got the scene of Black Cindy converting. Um, and I did not know a lot of this cultural things about Judaism that I think is still more, depending on what branch of Judaism you're joining up with, is kind of more or less intact that you got to ask three times and you get a new cool Jewish name and all that stuff. I, and I thought it was, it was really interesting. And... I was listening to a podcast with Sep, uh, Alan Suppenwall and Daniel Feinberg, and they were discussing this. And Alan said that, you know, he didn't feel like this moment was earned, but I thought this m- moment was super earned. I was completely. Why do you think it was not earned? He is just said that there. I mean, there is a point where he says, uh, you know, it essentially was all about the food and all about the kosher. And even in this conversation, she's like, it's totally mostly about the food. The food's super important. But also I found out about this, you know, struggle with faith and how God's cool with that and and how we're supposed to keep struggling. And I'm not even sure if I want to be a Jew after I think about being a Jew. And that's very Jewish, you know. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, I thought it was completely earned. And I think like, the actress did a lot of, I mean, this was... This is actually a pretty heavy scene to carry because it could have felt unearned. And I think it it did on the, the strength of the writing and her performance. Very little of this season moved me emotionally uh, okay. to tears. And that's unusual for this show. This was the first scene that made me cry. Wow. In the whole season. Yeah. Uh, this, to me, was just one of the greatest moments that they've ever had. Yeah. Uh, so fuck those guys. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, like I said, I'm I'm an, an an atheist myself, but I do understand the appeal of God, and I've always been kind of sympathetic to like Fiddler on the Roof style, struggling with God, you know, kind of fighting the good fight with them way of looking at a, a, a deity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I think that is definitely that I mean, it is absolutely part of the Jewish tradition. And I, I mean, and I love this episode because it shows so many different ways of being religious. Right. Toxic. But and, also, and yeah, but I mean, and in general, I think most of the flashbacks are negative except for Lorna's, which is only uh, religious by like complete accident, you know, mm, like true. she does not care. Yeah. 
Uh, religion doesn't affect her, let alone traumatize Buying her. Buying the pretty dress was the religious experience for her. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think it does a good job of showing what a lot of people's experience with religion is and their parents imposing a worldview on them. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think this storyline is so powerful because I think if more parents would just calm the fuck down yeah. and be like, what if you figured this out on your own? Sure. Um, you know, cause I mean, I don't think, you know, my, my views are much closer to what Soso's mom says, mm -hmm. but it's like, you don't have to be a dick about it, lady. Yeah. You know, true. you're not presenting that information to her in a way that's going to make her feel good or happy or, uh, cared for, you know, right, if plus... that's, I mean, if that's part of the point of religion, you know, try and actually make it reflect that. Right. I mean, you're trying to instill, you're trying to build an achiever. And what you're really doing is building an insecure person who's a perfectionist, which is the opposite mm -hmm. of an achiever. And then they become a hippie and everyone loses. Exactly. They do the whole organic, willing, organic almond farmer crap. And it's, it's mm -hmm. all downhill from there. Uh, I was, there's a lot of, I thought, kind of clever wordplay here about, you know, because now Cindy, uh, she's essentially graduated, but she can't get her diploma yet until she does this mikvah. Which is bait, which is submerging yourself. It's kind of like a baptism, only it's more, I don't know, uh, it, it's more earthy than that because you got to be in real, a natural, you know, completely submerged in a natural source of water. And, but she says, you're not a Jew, but you're Jew ish, which mm -hmm. I thought was really funny. But I also like that, you know, Cindy is very upset by that. She's like, even to me, and this is just how I interpreted, uh, the facial expression that she has here is that, you know, even in this faith where she is allowed to be herself, there's still all this bullshit she has to sure. go through. Sure. Um, and that, that leads to a flashback of Cindy's dad where he's just like, you know, your, your standard Bible thumping Baptist, all hell and brimstone and sinner. And you're, you know, you, you, you're as a little girl got tempted to sneak some food and you're a self worshiper and you're bound for the fires of hell. Mm -hmm. so there you go uh, yeah and that was a tough one to watch yeah. as well yeah. uh because like i my upbringing was never quite my childhood was not that extreme but as i became an adult and i was asserting myself i did get that from my parents oh yeah like, you don't get the fire and brimstone when you're towing the line <laughs> that's what they it's always there as the background yeah. threat you know like i as a jehovah's witness i wasn't hell it was the battle of armageddon Mm -hmm. uh, where you're going to be dead, you're going to be killed forever and ever, uh, eternal death if if you if you don't step the line. So it's kind of the same, less yeah. burny, more just always dead. But yeah, um, but yeah. Uh, anything else we want to talk about before we get to Alec? Or no, it's it's actually Cal, her brother, uh, Piper's brother, uh, is essentially making fun of her for you know her prison mistress giving her a prison tad. She's becoming this <laughs> total. Trope. I love Cal. Cal's. I would hang out with Cal, but I don't like his girlfriend. Which would be a problem for our future friendship. You know what? I liked her until this season. Well, she got really annoying once they got married, I think. Mm, it happens. It, it happens. Yeah, it happens. Sometimes so. people get lame when they get married. Yep. So Not me, though. Yes, I just, just got awesomer. Just to continue to, continue to level that. Continue to level up as a human being. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see here. We... Uh, so he, he reveals that they're kind of making fake prison panties now, 
but he it's like this is an extremely long scene and i feel like that they were kind of alluding to that as a way to make it a joke that he just won't get to the point because the 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 reason this scene exists is the fact that someone has electronically stolen all of piper's electronic money yes and of course you know this is another one of the weird themes of the season is paranoia uh, mm-hmm. because Piper suspects the wrong person and it's going to be a twist. Uh, but we'll get to there in a couple of other scenes. There is a Norma Toe Shrine, which I thought was kind of adorable, honestly, mm-hmm. if it was more ironic and less, you know, desperately real. Uh, yeah. And, and Pusey comes by and sees this sorry shit and can't even believe it. And she comes in there and throws So-So's attempted suicide in Norma's face. Uh, she tells... Leanne, she needs to back off before she busts those shit-stained chiclets back down her throat. Uh, and she tells Norma that you're not real, and your toast ain't real, and you're not shit. And Norma is really super bummed out. I love when Pusey serves up the Pusey realness, man. Pusey's righteous fury is is right up there. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's pitching heat like Chuck Heston and, and the old sword and sandal stuff. It's, it's impressive. I believe. Oh wait, Charlton Heston. Okay, I thought you were making like a like a baseball reference. <laughs> oh no, I know nothing about baseball. Okay, it's charming living in a baseball town now because I'm like I just don't see this color of the. I like going and eating hot dogs. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, man. Hot dogs are great at the baseball game, especially the Cincinnati. Man, their their hot dog game is strong. Cincinnati's are amazing. It's all about the Mets. So, There's like they yeah. got a cool form of it's not a hot dog, it's not a brat, it's a Met. I never heard of it until I got to the city. Oh, you never heard of a Met? Never. Have you had a Cheddar Met now? Uh, I've had every configuration of Mets that one can get at the Great American Ballpark. Good for you. Well, now you've truly lived. I've also got a whole plastic helmet full of nachos, which was pretty rad. I love the plastic helmet full of nachos. That's what we get when we go with my brothers. I've, I've got my next time and I got then, my. Like, we were like stuck with the plastic helmet. I was like, I don't want this. <laughs> I just wanted the nachos. See, I have an eight year old that's grateful for any plastic junk you get uh, that, that's associated that with eating. So, and I've got my eye on. Uh, they got another plastic helmet full of ice cream. That looks pretty rad. Yes, I, that I'm also. That's that's definitely older. Um, <laughs> it's been around since I was a small child. Coates uh, talks about being, you know, waking up in the laundry room and like, what the fuck is that all about? He spat, he, he spots a nice rape site at the underpass and, you know, Pentateuchy tries to fend her off with the whole, uh, you know, period deal, the, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the red gambit and that doesn't phase him. And then the red gambit, that sounds like some kind of alternate X-Men situation. <laughs> it totally is. It totally is. It's the uh, gender bender uh, uh, gambit version. Huh. Uh, and he doesn't and she doesn't fling charge playing cards. Let's put it that way. She uh, just flings used pads. That's exactly where I was going to go. Um, anyway. I, I love it because she starts doing this word salad business. And when and like I was kind of like getting in real time what the joke, what what was going on. And I was excited, uh-huh. like, uh, 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 playing along. And she says something's really wrong with my Nancy Grace catnip ears. And she just has a full on seizure and wrecks the van. Yeah. Which I thought was a real seizure. I thought huh? it was a genuine seizure. Like I didn't quite pick no. up on that. It was okay. Like, uh, a awesome. Awesome. Because I, I, I was about to say, was it totally obvious that it was a put on from the start? So now I'm to me. No, my I thought it was a genuine problem. You're a clever person. So my cleverness has been confirmed. <laughs> I, I feel just like, you know, my 
I don't know, heart grew three sizes, some shit like that. <laughs> Caputo's fucking Figaro. And she essentially, she's, she's got, I mean, the lens of fucking Caputo has given her such an acute insight into what makes him tick and everything about his life. This scene really made me miss hate fucking. Like, <laughs> I was like, man, no, you do. You learn so much about yourself when yeah. you're having sex with someone who hates you. Yeah, right, right. And vice versa, you yeah. know, because you're really honest. Yeah, it's true. Because you don't care, and it makes the sex better. Yeah, like, you know, if, if you said or did something that brought it all to an end, then, you know, fuck it anyway. No, I and I mean, with hate fucking, that's hard. It's hard to do. <laughs> because the hate is the point. Right. Uh, so he's up for promotion because obviously Danny's left a vacuum of power. I guess he's kind of a human vacuum of power, but whatever. Yeah, I was going to say. And, it's not like he was doing a great job. <laughs> and, and and Caputo said, you know, I'm going to fight for this whole Sophia situation. And Fig says, why do you keep martyring yourself for these people? And, and then, he's like, didn't you see my flashback? That's right. And then she <laughs> wants some bufu from the beer can. And he's happy to sling it to her. So there you go. These are two fucked up people. Yes. As much as I'm envious of their hate sex, I don't want <laughs> their particular hate sex. Yeah, you do really want to be associated with that. Nah. Uh, Gloria asks uh, in the chapel, the church chapel, ask Flocka if her and her mom are good in kind of like the metaphysical sense, which sparks an argument because, you know, things have been kind of bad since the Flacca panty betrayal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Piper comes in and just makes a total fucking fool of herself and Gloria schools her. Uh, she gets like, you know, a 9.7 on the Pusey scale of righteous mm-hmm. indignation. Well, and I like it too, because she's in the middle of a fight with Flocka. Right. and she She's just... mad at Flocka herself, but then as soon as Piper, somebody who's outside the fold comes in, she's like, hey, back off! Yeah, it's like when the Marines and the, the, the sailors are fighting in a bar, and then like uh, an army guy comes in and starts talking shit, they just instantly turn their direction to him. Uh, exactly. I also like how Piper tried to split the difference between being totally gangster and a good person. <laughs> Look, that's what white people do. Yeah. She's just she's just playing out the script, and I love it. I know what I love about Piper doing this. I was like, I was kind of reading some of the criticism around this episode, prepping for this. People were talking about, or actually, Cal says he's like uh, talking about what a you know bad person prison has made her. I'm like, no, she's always been like this. That's true. Piper has always been a terrible person. She's just now giving herself permission to be terrible. Yeah, she's hate fucking the prison, and she's gotten this in keen, honest insight. I think she's really hate fucking herself. <laughs> Somehow, this is a masturbatory, sure, aggressive. There's, there's uh, embrace of her own awfulness. There's friction burns involved here. And, yeah, and like, there's a lot. It's bad. Yeah, yeah, it's it's clinical at this point. Leanne and Norma. Uh, have a breakout, a breakup session. Norma throws her out of the club, or the cube in this case. Uh, pretty, well, pretty Leanne tough is love. a garbage person. Uh, and as much empathy as I've developed for her, you can't forget what a just shitbag racist she is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, then that's just the bottom line. Like, I'm sorry that, you know, you weren't allowed to be honest or whatever the fuck you wanted to do, but... But, I mean, you could say the same thing about Pensatucky circa season one. And yeah. a lot of these girls that come from these really deeply ignorant backgrounds. And I feel like... Yeah, but we don't wasn't... really have that much proof that Pensatucky isn't racist either. Oh, that's They've true. just downplayed that aspect of her character. Well, I guess my point is, I think Norma was a little too... I, I think if, if she was going to... 
stay true to her Norma Ite beliefs, she could have tempered this like this has got to stop, but I still care. Oh yeah, but she refused to exert any influence whatsoever. Mm. You know, I mean, it's it's. I found the whole day, the whole wind up of this very unsatisfying. Like I like the fact we dealt with so much religion, religious topics in this season, but the actual terminus of this plot line with Norma mm-hmm. kind of lame. Yeah. But I mean, Norma's kind of lame. <sighs> I and like I Norma. I think that's the point of this thing is that they chose, you know, not to be too, ob- you know, they chose this false idol who mm. wasn't good at the position they chose her for. Mm. And the only reason she went along with it, I assume, is because she wanted she wanted to feel the way that her cult leader boyfriend felt, mm-hmm. you know? Or maybe to understand herself. I mean, we have, no matter how much insight we get into what happened to Norma, we're never going to understand her. Mm. Much like God. Well, I'm angry at your take on Norma. I think you're probably correct. Why are uh, you angry? I just really like Norma, and I really liked her character, and I've always found her... Like when they when they narrow down on like the fact that she just looks at you and you feel kind of melty, like that's kind of how I thought about her in the previous seasons. And having to show acknowledge that, I thought was kind of, you know, I don't know. I'm maybe I'm a little bit of a Norma cultist myself. I was gonna say I think you're you're ripe for joining up. Yeah. Uh, no, I've always taken much more of Red's view of Norma, mm. which is like, okay, you're good for about three things: <laughs> painting nails, so massage, do them, and help me. And 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 boiling potatoes, the easy yeah. for them. All right, cynical take on Norma, but you, you're you're probably. Uh, right. I would call it pragmatic. <laughs> oh, so this is where we find out the next scene with Boo and uh, Pinsataki. Uh, we find out that this was the seizure was definitely a planned out, uh, put upon thing because Boo's cousin mm-hmm. Sandy, her knowledge of her seizures uh, allowed Pinsataki to very convincingly and effectively fake him and. You know, it's a one-time thing, but you probably shouldn't let prisoners with what was with have a even slight history of seizures drive the vans. Yeah, and uh, you know the other thing is, I thought this was like just a total total triumph, uh, but Jinji Cohen threw in a little bit more of a twist of drama. And now we find out that Marzipan is assigned to be the driver, and mm-hmm. you're like, dum dum dum. You know what? You mean Maritza? Yeah, so I don't know. You probably haven't followed the saga of this character's name, but I called no, her Marzipan once as a joke because I couldn't think of her name and I knew that was close. Got and it. then I started I saying, calling... this is the this is the the cost of having multiple hosts on this thing. Exactly. We exactly. We can't keep track. And recording at different times, but no, then I I corrected myself and I found her real name and then listeners wrote in and like we liked it when you called her Marzipan. Okay. Mother. Well, Marzipan. And you know what? I found so few recaps commented on that moment. Really? So few of them talked about it and I thought that was the whole point. And that was one of the things I when I was like live tweeting this when it was first on, I was like you know, this is one of the only shows that's brave enough to remind us uh, that if we don't report our rapist, like reporting your rapist, you're doing a solid for the next victim. Yes. Even if you don't get your justice, you're creating a record. Yes. And there's, you know, there's a lot of debate within feminism about what the correct response is. Um, Because obviously the police are terrible about handling this kind of stuff. But at the same time, it's like there's also been this movement that I think is really toxic of like, well, I'm doing whatever I need to do uh-huh. to cope with my rape. And I'm like, no, it affects all of us uh-huh. because rapists 
rapists got to rape. That's their whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, it's not like that guy is raping one time and then hanging up his like, Oh, well, I got mine. Like that's sure. my rape. I've discharged my male privilege. Like they're going to keep doing it. Right. And, um, I'm curious to see where this goes because on the one hand, I think Maritza's an innocent, uh, in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. And I don't know that she would be taken in by this guy, but I think she also, she's very naive in certain ways. Yeah. And, that, the, and, like, and, and, and Pentateki had such a cynical view of sex that it made her vulnerable. Yes. But I think that Maritza has not enough cynicism to protect her. Also, I think that the idea of having street smarts can protect you from rape is a fallacy as well. Well, you know, and like, you don't even know that she has street smarts. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. You're like, just assuming that because she's Latina. Well, but I'm just saying that, like, if we go with that theory is like, well, maybe she's more savvy or maybe she's not as sexually cynical. It's like there's nothing that's a full iron ironclad, you know, like if you do the X, Y and Z, you're not going to be raped. Just what we've seen between her and Flocka, they strike me as being very kind of suburban. Yeah. In a way that Gloria and Aleda and even Ruiz are not. Right. Like these are these are girls who have been a little bit more sheltered, I think. Right. Um, and th- I mean, you see that just in their interests, you know? Um, so I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but I hope nothing too bad. Cause I really like Maritza. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause you, you know, you're clearly pro reporting to rapists, uh, and anti, uh, not, but I feel like that reporting is an extremely brave choice and I can't bring it to actually criticize a person that wouldn't on the grounds of it doesn't feel safe to do that. Well, that's why rape keeps happening. If all it took to stop rape was women feeling bad about it, there would have been one rape. Sure, sure. I get that. But I'm just saying that, like, as a personal condemnation, I I can't go there. Well, yeah, you're a man. You're, you know, (laughs) fundamentally, like, on the side of the enemy as far as this debate (laughs) is concerned. All right. All right. The longer that we create this myth that it's somehow brave instead of responsible— like, you may not like it, but nobody ever won a war without risking something. I get that. But, like, you know, if I'm honest with myself, let's say, like, uh, to take it down a notch, uh, Joe Caputo is talking about, you know, people – or no, it was Joe. is Officer Ford talked about people dying for an eight-hour workday, which is an absolute true statement. People died at the end of a brick bat you know uh and 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 died in in the lines and the strike lines to to win these basic rights for us i'm not sure i would be the guy to take the brick back to the face if the stakes were down you know well then you're a failure as a patriot (laughs) anything else we'd like to say before we move on i hope maritza doesn't get raped i do too what do you think is the end path here that Pensatucky is going to realize that this is not an acceptable band-aid and her and Big Boo are going to uh, drop Boo the dime says, on coats. Oh shit. Yeah. I don't know where they take that, but Big Boo has realized what's going on. I don't know that Pensatucky is intelligent enough to pick up on it, but you have to think she'd have an inkling. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I think whatever planning they put into their rape revenge, you know, hopefully they're also going to at least tell Maritza that this is an issue. Yeah. At the very base of it, they they owe her being like, by the way, this guy is probably going to try to rape you. Yeah. So like not as official because you've also it's 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 hard to know how it's going to go down because it's like, you know, inmate versus prison guard. But this is like not a particular qualified prison guard. And also Litchfield has kind of a 
a history with rape that's going to, you know, make it probably easier to believe Pentateuchy. Mm-hmm. But you think that's like just if nothing else, a heads up about that whole situation. I mean, where does that play out? Like, just no one drives the bus. <laughs> like that—that that actually is actually was probably the way they should do. Like, inmates shouldn't drive the bus. No, I mean, I think in reality, there's no way you'd let an inmate behind the wheel. Yeah, vehicle. that's what like those... that is. Again, this is the gay Fantasia in a women's prison. Like, there's no yeah. way that anybody's driving. It's like the big, you know, multicultural cooking staff that serves wonderful food kind of truck. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you got to do cut some corners to make the drama in yeah. run. We've got a flashback of Big Boo being shocked by the mic- uh, a microwave and uh, having a near-death experience. And she's shocked back to life, literally. And she comes up, wakes up at the horrifying realization that there's no God. There's no St. Peter. There's no... Oh, she's, she's happy. Did you not get that she's happy? Really? No. She's thrilled. She's thrilled. Oh, my God. She's so happy because she's gay. She's been told her whole life that being gay would send her straight to hell, and there's nothing. Huh. There's nobody going to judge her for who she is. Do we? Because I, I don't think I never got the whole hellfire thing. It's just like her parents didn't approve of it, but I didn't think in the like that kind of. I mean, we didn't get that, but you know, hmm. coming of age when she did, she would have heard that a lot. Hmm. But she, to me, struck me as very happy. Okay. I didn't get that interpretation, but I think it's. It's certainly a valid one. We then move into Piper figuring out uh, that Ruby stole her money. And uh, she says, you fucked me, Stella. And Stella has the excuse of I don't have any family, no friends, only $20, which is kind of, you know, we've talked about like that's essentially the situation Tasty found herself in. Mm -hmm. She got bounced out. But she didn't have any options on the street, and she got bounced yeah. right back in. And Stella is essentially stealing from Piper, who she sees as having none of those weaknesses. And she's correct in analysis. She is give correct her leg in up. that analysis, but it's also like I feel like I'm very similar to you know I'm not from the I, you know I didn't have a nanny, I didn't grow up in a mansion, but you know I if I were in prison, I would be in a very similar situation to Piper. Uh huh. Um, I mean, perhaps, you know, I live far away from my family, so I don't know they would come to visit all the time. But, you know, they would not abandon me. Right. Um, however, at the same time, a person who comes from a family that won't abandon you, at least in my experience, you operate on a very fundamental level of, like, ironclad trust. Mm-hmm. And if, if you offer somebody a familial bond, which Piper does with everyone that she's intimate with, which is probably one of her weaknesses and mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you offer them that trust and then they break it, the blowback is vicious. It's just vicious. Just like Danny says, you don't know what it's like to be a wasp. Yeah, except that I'm also not a wasp. And I think it's weird that they still say wasp on this show. Do people still say that? Yeah, it's like it's, it's in the New York Times. I guess so. <laughs> I guess it's just because I grew up in Cincinnati where we have no wasps. Really? Like, Cincinnati doesn't just, have wasps? Well, I guess they all go to like Cincinnati Country Day, but I never hung out with them. I feel like, like wa- my entire upbringing was like Irish Catholics. Uh, what is Caputo? Caputo is an Italian Catholic. Okay. All right, so I get okay. So he was definitely drawing a, a distinction there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that I feel like that that's the the severe kind of like that kind of freeze out emotionally is more of a you know middle class white collar distant parent type of thing. 
Yeah. It's, you're right. It cuts across religious lines. Uh, we then have a scene of, uh, well, the other thing about this scene is that, uh, black sending Flocka are openly waiting to see what Piper's going to do because they potentially seen her, of of going light on Ruby as a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and I mean, she went really hard on Flocka. Uh, sure. Even in letting Flocka back in. So then it's like, oh, is she showing deferential treatment to this girl because they were dating? And, you know, sort of how, how does that affect the perception of her by her employees going forward. Uh, Lorna and the Jersey Shore guy are getting married and they exchange vows. And what he values about her is uh, her heart and the fact that she makes him feel tall. Mm-hmm. And she is honored to be his uh, Lorna Muccio. And then she, the rest of her vows are the lyrics to a foreigner song. Which is amazing. Uh-huh. Like, I love this wedding so much. I'm kind of regretful that this wasn't how my actual wedding went down. <laughs> and, Sans the part where it's in a prison. And, and, and even O'Neill's like, this is beautiful. This is why I don't want to loop. Because clearly, Belle is, was, yeah. was a proponent of the eloping uh, practice. And she's crying. And it's all, you know, there's, there's a disposable camera photos being taken. And then Healy comes to suck the joy out of the room by reminding everyone that there's no conjugal visits in Federal. Yeah. Uh, but then O'Neill and Bell step in, and uh, Jersey Shore consummates the shit out of Lorna in the break. Yeah, because Bell is a stand-up lady. I love Bell. Like no, she's great. They're um, and I think we may have skipped this scene earlier, or maybe I missed it. But like when Healy asked Red to be the witness, Marilla wanted Red to be there to be her witness, which was nice because we haven't seen that family really being a family this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think but you can tell. By, you know, Lorna wanting her there and by um, Gina coming to Red for advice when she's not sure what to do about the cult. Like, that family is still there. Like, even though Red really upset everybody by almost setting Gina on fire. Yeah. And Nikki's and Max. Like, they're the seeds of that family are still there. So I'm curious to see if they kind of get back together next season. Sure. Uh, Speaking of Red, there is a scene of her and Healy discussing, um, you know, being excited about her brand new divorce certificate. And he tries, to, I mean, he's openly feeling her out about whether she would be down, you know, DTF when she gets out of prison. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know what? Our ship's passed too late in the night to change course. I uh, hope she sticks to that, man. I, I did not like this at all. I, I feel like this is still a put. She has no interest in him. She used him. I mean, she's not unsympathetic and she was sincere and like, it's been nice to have a peer. Yeah. It's not I a think, crazy woman, but and I, I accept that, but I'm just like, don't do this like he is i hate him no no one is shipping this relationship and it wouldn't work it's not realistic i don't think there's any danger of 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 that but you know what the danger is a flashback to healy uh as a youth getting puked on by jesus yeah Uh, and i also i do i do hate like the the healy flashbacks uh destroy me really like this is so upsetting to me yeah like and I don't even I mean, get yeah, it. Like I, 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 the show is so frustrating in that way, and I think this is part of why the Aleda storyline rubs me the wrong way. Because somebody like Healy, who I hate, I can have this empathy for because I see where he came from. Yeah. But every time they try to do the same thing for Aleda, I'm like, no. Nope, yeah. Doesn't doesn't work for me. Yeah. Like even like you know the the when she was at camp with Daya and and just. I had no empathy for the way that she shat all over Daya when Daya got back from camp and destroyed that whole thing. Like it just, it made me so angry. It was so self-serving. 
But, you know, here we see him trying to be, you know, to do essentially the job that he's doing now when he is a child and completely unequipped to do it. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's kind of confusing because I wasn't sure exactly what the situation was. It looked like he was locked outside of a church or he'd lost his mother and, you know. Well, he was going. Um, yeah, do you know exactly what's going the, on? Yeah, he was getting to be, he was going to get the, the parish priest because in those days, you know, there would not have been comprehensive mental health and people would not have really known what to do. So in those situations, you would go get the, the parish priest. Really? Um, and be like, hey, come to my house because we're having this problem. And that would have been mental health. That would have been physical health. Like, if you couldn't afford a doctor, huh. your priest was the person that would try to help you. Okay. Because uh, I wasn't exactly sure what – I mean, I got kind of like the broad strokes, but I didn't get that specificity. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's why he kept yelling for father. He was talking to the sure, priest. Sure, sure. All right. Although I don't know why he was at the church when he should have gone to the rectory, but that's his problem. <laughs> well, he's just a kid, you know. He's getting he's getting puked yeah, on by homeless. He's clearly done this before, mm. so maybe he was at the rectory and he wasn't there. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's cer- certainly traumatic. Uh, there's another scene of Piper and Ruby where she gives him she gives her rather the Michael Corleone kiss of death, and she has dumped every single bit of contraband she found during her cell phone trip into her bunk. And flashes the trust no bitch tat and sends her up the river. And even that candy shiv was amazing. The candy but shiv like, was amazing, yes. But they're just like, oh, you're going to Max. I'm like, is that how quick it happens? Like, I don't know how this works, but it just seemed very like, bada bing. Like, yeah, well, I mean, I think they're just talking, you know, that's like what cops, they kind of talk shit, right? Like, when they got you dead to rights, it's like, yeah, there might be yeah. some paperwork to be filed, but you're so fucked. You are yeah. so fucked. Um, and Big Boo is super impressed in a kind of like awe-inspiring way mm-hmm. uh, about how stone cold Piper or Chapman shit is. Overall opinion of the Ruby Rose experiment: positive, negative. I mean, I don't care. Like the, I would err slightly on the side of positive, simply because it put a stop to the Voss nonsense. That's true. And I don't think we can underestimate how happy I was to not have to deal with that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I already knew I could be attracted to a woman. I didn't need this to learn any, like, deep sexual truths about myself. No, which I... I think is what the majority of mostly straight women in this country Okay, because I was wondering. Judging from my Twitter feed, everybody was like, oh, my God, Ruby Rose. I was like, yeah, yeah. sometimes ladies look like dudes, and it's hot. Like, yeah. Androgyny has been around for so long. Like, indeed. Just ask Tilda Swinton. I mean, that's not even the earliest example, but. Uh, but no, I I thought that the hype, because I, I you know I just got this massive hype for her, and I thought she was kind of her presence. Am was I? Kind of why am I ever supposed to be excited about a DJ doing anything? <laughs> that's my question. Did we learn I nothing not from from you know Polly from from the whole Jersey Shore experiment? If if your your business card says DJ. The ceiling is kind of low. Yeah, and I think her business card is tattooed on her somewhere, which is even worse. <laughs> right next no, to No, look. It's, it's, she's it's right hot. next to I like that her name was turtle. Stella. Hmm. That was cool. Why? Uh, Why did you like that her name was Stella? Oh, because of a streetcar named Desire. Ah, okay. That's why I say Stella, Stella, Stella for Star, which is my preferred Stella quote from that play versus gotcha. the more popular Stella. Stella! Yeah. As made famous by Ned Flanders. Yes. Definitely. Oh, man. I'm going to have to go watch that episode, like, right now. <laughs> I washboard, love that episode of The Simpsons. It's the so washboard great. abs on Flanders ne- is never not funny. <laughs> Every time he whips them out, it's like, it's never not funny. 
Uh, the bottle scene. So Caputo comes into a labor meeting in prison that he's called. This is he's a, it's kind of ironic that he himself laid out the playbook that he himself is using himself. Uh, so then he's like, you know, I've just seen the financials. I'm now inside the system and, and everything they've said is true. Uh, is he being genuine or is he just towing the company line here? Because- the jury's out for me on this because I've been in a similar situation. Not that I'd ever worked for any company where a union was even remotely possible. Right, right. Uh, but it's like. That's the tension between labor and management. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, I mean, here's the thing. There's probably money somewhere, but A, it's not as much as they're going to want, and B, his ability to get it at this point is unlikely. Um, Like, in his position at this moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um so, I mean, you know, and I know, you know, because he goes into his whole thing, is like, you know, I, I did exactly what all of you would have done uh, in the same position, which is probably true. I mean, when you're in a financial situation that's as bad as what most of these people are in, you're going to take the first, you know, life preserver somebody throws you mm-hmm. and kind of not worry about everybody else, uh, which is the inequity of capitalism. But I don't know. I mean, I think I think he's taken Fig's words to heart and he's like, I'm, I'm going to look out for me. And at the same time, I don't, you know, it's hard for me to say whether or not, you know, there's even this kind of third layer where he's trying to kind of spur them on to organize. You know what I mean? Mm. Because even if they organize, it doesn't really cost him anything. That's true. He he might be held accountable for them not being there, but given the hiring policies that they've adapted – they're going to have no trouble getting scabs in there. Like, yeah. yeah so you, so you think know. that this is a Trojan. That's interesting. I considered this as a Trojan horse that if he's seen the fact that the books are fat and they could afford the demands, then he can kind of play a double agent. Uh, you yeah, know, I Alex mean, that's, and that's Lolly possible, style. but I feel like we don't know enough about what the actual financial situation is. We really only know the emotional situation between sure. Danny and his dad. And we do know that the prison was going under, but that was probably, that was in large part because of the leech called Figaro attached to its side. Mm-hmm. So if it Yeah, was... she definitely was embezzling a lot of money, so. Yes, yes. So it's, it's you're right, the jury's out. Um, I will say it would be a massive and unfortunate reversal of character if he just goes full on corporate whore. But on the other hand, as you've kind of helped me realize, that's a very Gingy Cohen thing for it to do. Well, and again, which I kind of hate you for peeling that curtain back because it's so fucking obvious now. He's look, he he's a lot like Piper. He's always been a bad person, Mm. Uh, but he's done all of this work to go. No, no, no. I'm really a good person. Mm. Um, But I think when you're that kind of person, then when you do have the opportunity to sort of act on your worst, most selfish impulses you go, you just double down, you know, you become this, you know, stinky panty kingpin and you become this, this shitty, you know, uh, corporate shill. So I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. And I, you know, I hope that the, uh, labor, the labor element continues into season four. Uh Uh-huh. 
much like another great Simpsons episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they can, uh, they can Ra- get somebody to, to write them a protest song. They do. Uh, Caputo could have written a great protest song, but now he's on the wrong side. With side boob. He's on the wrong side boob of the situation. He is on the wrong side boob. <sighs> anyway. Who would have thought the side boob would betray us? <laughs> and and you could tell in the faces. Rod Cocker declares it ain't right. O'Neill looks at him like so much red velvet donut. It's just the level of disgust that they're having for mm-hmm. this is 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 real. Uh, Alex volunteers to stay behind to clean up the dirty tool shed, which is the double secret tw- surprise twist that there is in fact a someone here to kill her. This is the guy Lori Petty was pointing out when they were in line at commissary with the toothpick. Yes, uh, and I it's hard to believe that he has a clean criminal record, which I think would be the minimum background check they do on someone but whatever the alex storyline is over that somebody at cooper's level would either have connections to get rid of that i mean he may have applied with a false identity you know that's true um or he might just be clean like he might be cooper's clean guy and like that's his job yeah um I don't know. Yeah, but, oh my God! Please let him kill Voss. Yeah, because that's the thing. Please is like, we let didn't... her die. I don't think she does. Spoiler alert! Because she was posting photos being on set. Fuck. Uh, I was about to say maybe, we didn't see like, the dead maybe body. It's just the, the scene where she dies. Or there's just all kinds of room for flashbacks too. Fucking Scientology, man! I think that's the only reason that she's still on this show. Is she a Scientologist for real? Oh, she's a big Scientologist. Yeah interesting you can read all about it on the internet interesting all right uh yeah it's really been a bummer when i found out that elizabeth moth is a scientologist and fred armistead because i love fred armistead is not a scientologist he's not? Is he? i thought he was no 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 no, no. is that's, that what drove them apart is, tell me that's what that's, drove them apart it is what drove them apart yes but- uh, you should also know that Fred Armiston is a garbage person. Oh, like, no. He's a really, 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 really bad person. No, don't tell uh, me that. My favorite quote from Elizabeth Moss is that the greatest impression he ever did was something. It was like that he is a human being. Like, yeah, he. But she's a Scientologist. She could be you know, going the Co-Intel Pro thing that they got. Uh, no, this he's a suppressive like person. Some, this sounded like some just plain old regular woman scorn shit like he oh man he just uh you should look it up he's just like a serial like woman fucker over like Hmm. he's just uh he's so skeezy like well damn it i was hoping to walk out of this conversation with my love for portlandia intact and you are listen i'm just here to knock down all of your sacred cows and then (laughs) shit on them um all right well you know they can take the shit I can I can hose them <laughs> off. They're like I think I think they're they're gold or copper. They'll they'll hose off. They'll be fine. We'll uh, see. I mean, gold's a very porous uh, metal. Is so it? You want to get right on that? I'm not sure that I agree with the science there, but all right. Gold well, is a very porous metal. It's very soft. Okay. That's why it always has to be mixed with another metal when you make anything out of it. Otherwise, it would just melt. Oh, you don't you, you don't think I'm gonna make a solid gold calf? I mean, that there's no economic benefit. I don't that. know what you pagans get up to in your it's, spare time. It's plated with real gold. Okay. Just like Pentatucky's bracelet. Mm-hmm. Uh, let us talk about Healy coming uh, on the heels of the Alex fake murder uh, to find the Olive Garden waiting on his desk from his wife. And he looks at the corsage that Red gives him, has given him, and he's thinking he's the king of the world. I, I, I dare not go into the mind of Healy. 
to understand I, what's motivated me. I really do weirdly hope it works out with his wife. Really? Yeah. Like, I don't think she's, like, a good person. So I guess it's in part I think they kind of deserve each other. Why don't you think she's a good person? Because, she, I mean, I kind of feel like she was sympathetic this year in being lured to America with the false promise of a actually dashing Healy and then finding the reality. And she's been yeah, but I think, sold a I bag of turnips. I think I'm just, I just like to listen to what red says. And so red was mad at her. So I think I got a little mad at her. That's the thing that red was manipulating Healy through that yeah. whole conversation. So she might've, she might've cast her Russian spell on you. But I think, you know, you know, I don't, you know, if, if this woman's goal is to remain in America, I don't think that she has chosen the right tactics. Okay. That's, that's probably accurate. Yeah. If that's her goal and the only way for that to happen is to remain married to this man, I think she could have, you know, tried to catch flies with honey instead of vinegar. Mm. Um, yeah, but I think, you know, I think Back the conversation that they had that resulted in this moment was the two of them actually communicating with each other instead of talking around their problems. Sure. And, you know, him being less entitled. Cause like, you know, when he makes that joke about Russians being round eyed Asians, he's like, Oh, that's a joke. Like, I'm like, Oh my God, dude, shut up. He's just not funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's she not a doesn't funny have joke. to like laugh at your jokes. No, that's not, especially that's if, not what marriage is. No, that's, that's, that's the, yeah. Especially I mean, if you're lucky, you laugh at them of your own volition, but sure. like you don't get to demand. No, indeed. But, um, you know, but then he told, I mean, he told her a genuine, honest thing, which is that it hurts his feelings when she goes to the Olive Garden and doesn't bring him her leftovers. And, she, and that's, that's an actionable item, sure. you know, which cost her that nothing. Is, it's a doggy that's bag. Something that, Oh, sorry. What did you I'm say? Sorry, which costs her nothing. It's just a doggy bag. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I feel like they both have to break themselves down and then see if this can, you know, work in any way. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a bearish on their relationship. I'm selling. So, which is, look, that's fine. <laughs> I, and in part also, if he stays with her, then he won't keep trying to have inappropriate relationships with people in the prison that's true i guess if i'm a red fan ideally I'm kind of pull, pulling for uh his relationship with katarina yeah. or whatever her name is uh this next scene with daya's family and cesar and her baby i about fucking hyperventilated because there's babies everywhere there's just baby stacks in danger. of babies i can't handle a baby in danger and, and pe- grown men are breaking furniture and wielding guns and there's yeah. babies on the floor and stepping and they got soft skulls and i it's yeah it's very upsetting and we don't need to belabor the point because it is very anxiety inducing once again um, alita is wrong she flip-flopped and she's she's wrong no i mean look cesar is not a stable human being no like if for no other reason than him being fucking crazy, mm-hmm. they should have had uh, Mary Steenburgen take that baby. Like, what did you so that, I talked to you about my theory on this because I'm really worried that there's a little bit of crazy in that household, too. That scene what, where Mary Steenburgen, that scene where she met with porn stash and said, baby, I'm going to get you what you want. Oh Yeah, look, they're insane. And nobody's saying they're not insane. But you know, what's definitely not going to happen at her house. What's that? The, the uh, pops busting all these in. guys with guns busting in. That's true. Probably like not as long as porn stash is still in prison. No, she's got know? like what a seven to 15 year head start, depending on parole and all that. I mean, yeah. I don't know what you so, get. Through. I don't know. Like, I just, you know. 
Yeah. Honestly, this baby would be better off with almost anybody. Yeah. But that is not the hand this poor baby has been dealt. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of I don't know. I'm I'm I stopped caring about Daya and certainly the whole Bennett thing. I'm glad that was all wrapped up, but I'm kind of invested in what happens to her progeny at this point. No, I like Daya, especially now that Bennett is gone. I am just over Daya and Aleda. Like okay. I don't care anymore because Aleda is terrible. And either Daya is going to realize that or she's not. I'm just tired of the show shoving it in my face. Uh, Again, I want more Ruiz. Like, less them, more Ruiz. Okay. Uh, Piper then self-tats using uh, Amy Rose, or yeah, Ruby Rose's fantastic uh, prison tat machine. She self-tats an infinity symbol onto her side boob. And that's all I got to say about that. It's not a fucking cliche, but I'm like, also maybe you could have had somebody else do it for you, but I guess it's more badass if she does it herself. It's less cliche if you get the infinity tattoo and you do it yourself. Yeah. And I every time I do an infinity or a figure, I can never get the symmetry. I thought I was kind of impressed that she actually had yeah. a fairly symmetrical infinity symbol. I'd also say I don't think I know anybody with an infinity symbol tattoo. Yeah, it's like that's maybe like if you're a mathematician, that's a cliche. I but don't know. Yeah, I. I, I mean, know. I can see it being like. You know what that tells me? People would get, but I've just never. Never so, seen it myself. Someone on the writing staff, a, a lot, a a quorum of people on the writing staff have infinity tattoos. That's the only conclusion I can draw. Or they know people who do. Mm. Like they're that population. I was going to say like that's super popular out in L.A., but you know you kind of hail from the the West Coast, so I wouldn't. You'd, you'd I wouldn't know that. about L.A. specifically, but these are all going to be New York people, so I'm guessing it's uh, like an Ivy League thing. Gotcha. Uh, Judy King, who has kind of been the MacGuffin this, this whole season, the celebrity chef shows up for processing and no one's here. And she outs herself as kind of a casual racist, uh, potentially super racist with the upstate New York crack. And Uh she kind of gets broken down instantly by the bleakness of the situation. And the fact that the prison's kind of been abandoned of any guards is, is kind of scary too. Anything I am wanna... so excited for this character because yeah. all of the um all of the reviews that I would read would be like, oh, this Martha Stewart-esque character. And I'm yeah. like, are you blind and deaf? This is clearly Paula Deen. I think like, it's, I definitely think they're going to mine both experiences for Max. Oh yeah, time. but it's like, look, they're mining the cause of Martha Stewart going to prison, but they are going to use the character of Paula Deen. Okay. Like, that's going to be the character that actually has an impact. I mean, I'm sure the fact that she's rich is going to play into things, but this is, like, this is new money here. Like, this is not she's Martha gonna, Stewart's reserved, you, you know, Do you think she's going to be bullshit. a foil for Red because she's going to have the fat commissary and she's going to be, like, buying favors with ding-dongs and ho-hos and and I don't know. Managers? It's hard to say. I mean, I think she's going to have a really steep learning curve. It's true. But um, she's less... I mean, she's certainly not a Piper. Well, though she did break down like instantly just by being here. Maybe she's more yeah. Piper than than I'm thinking. It's hard to say, but I mean, also, I mean, she can try and buy these people and they'll take her stuff, but that's not that's not necessarily lo- yeah. going to translate to loyalty. Yeah, that could be seen as being just stupid. Um, all right, so there's a fence company there to do maintenance on the fence, and there's no guards there to guard it. Uh, and Norma sees the hole and takes off running. And I love how the fence repair dudes are genuinely intimidated by the sea of female inmates washing over them. I mean, them. wouldn't you be? 
like if you were just like oh you, you had know, no idea what i'd be like what yeah I just but just these like, guys- whether they were prisoners or not anytime i see a large <laughs> group of people running at me i'm like i am not strong a mob is scary and i'm going to lock my doors yeah mm-hmm. no but i thought that's funny and there's a lot a lot like 30 minutes worth of slow motion prisoners running with enraptured faces some no, of them is, pull it this off This is basically why this episode is 90 minutes. Yeah, it really is. Which I kind of love because I do love this as a coda. I, like, I, I liked all the Suzanne stuff. Everybody else I didn't, you know, like she pulls off that enraptured. I love the whole thing. I love So-So having a friend. I just, I liked everybody getting to be free for a second. I mean, I know, you know, Brissette is still in shoe. Uh, Alex is getting killed. Oh, please. Oh, please. Oh, please. Yeah. We hope. Um, you know, and we see all this other stuff happening, like we see them installing the new beds, which yeah. you'd think at some point somebody would be like, um, there's no guards here. So I don't know why that situation is not being dealt with at all. Hey man, they're paid to screw, screw beds together. They're not yeah. paid to ask but I mean, about. But then, but then also the bus with the new inmate shows up while they're <laughs> down there. Yeah. So it's like, this is, uh, not going to work. Uh, I wrote down a couple of random kind of observations about this. Uh, I thought the oh, lo- did you not care about that? No, I, of course I did. I'm talking about the. I was I was only referring to the slow motion running oh, of it. No, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't talking thing. about. I was talking. I was the, the whole slow motion running thing is what I could use less of. Um, there are in fact no eels in the Freedom Lake. I thought that was a pretty funny, funny line. I like Loose Check coming out from the shop as you know because he's like the quintessential scab and just like nope. Uh, Black Sydney's new Jew Juju uh, was. <laughs> another great line and mm-hmm. um see i'm trying to think take uh what do you think you, you really brutally shat on my uh you know litchfield hogwarts castle mashup what do you think about season four being a real-time super short lost story of these girls surviving at the freedom lake because the prison management is so incompetent they can't actually find where they went did you say lost yes. story? Yes. There could be smoke <laughs> monsters. I'm not taking uh, that off the table. We don't want to talk about lost with me. You really don't. It's going to get real ugly real fast. I bailed out at season two. So I bailed out as soon as they killed Mr. Echo. I was like, fuck this show. So, yeah. Um, but no, so you're, you're, That's you're impressive. out. Almost nobody I know saw which way the wind was blowing with that. Well, see, like we started we started season one and a lot of people that we knew didn't start until later. Uh-huh. And then as soon as it was clear, we were like, they have no fucking clue what they're doing. No, I, I was you know, like, and everybody else was like, oh, my God, it's so great. I'm like, you guys are up a creek without a paddle. Nothing good is going to happen to you. I was a Chris Carter X-Files survivor and I swore mm-hmm. never again. Like I smelt. No, nope, these guys are full of shit. As soon as yep. Walt left the island and he was the savior. No, I was going to say all you're going to get for, you know, however many seasons it was on is just. <laughs> that was just the whole as far as i'm concerned after they killed mr echo and yet i guarantee i will get mail saying actually this season the ending of lost made everything worth it and that's stockholm syndrome i'm sorry people. that's no that's, look it up is that why thing. damon lindelof had to quit twitter <laughs> is that why he had to quit twitter because lost was such a good show <laughs> well you know the sheeple can't understand the. Brain. although i will say i do feel bad for that guy because like that was right when um, the Breaking Bad finale. He had a quick Twitter because because the Breaking Bad finale was so satisfying. Yeah, yeah, it's such. Everybody was hate uh, atting him. Yeah, and being like, "That's why you had a TV show." And he's like, "I like this show. Like, why do you hate me?" <laughs> I will say he sucked me back in with the leftovers. 
I you know, I never watched in. it, and I was reading some sort of Emmy coverage that said Christopher Eccleston was really good in it, and I love He's Christopher amazing. Eccleston. And uh, Carrie Coon, amazing. Justin Thoreau, I mean, it's just really... I don't know, though, man. Like, is she you... still dating Jennifer Aniston? Is that still going on? I don't know. I, don't, I, I haven't heard I, a damn thing about it. I'm going to look into you're this. Way, you're, you're, you, you read the Us Weekly more than I do, I'm, I'm guessing. Because no, I never read Us Weekly. How do you, get, how do you stay plugged money. into the celebrity culture then? Uh, Jezebel and Gawker. Ah, I see. And I never click the ads, but I still want to know. <laughs> Listen, it's a complicated dance that I do. Like I'll read, <laughs> I'll read a people or an Us Weekly if somebody else gets it. Like if, if it's it in a dentist office, for example. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I don't know. The leftovers, it just felt like a little too much for me. It's pretty. I can't, I can't explain it, but I just was like, I don't know if I can handle this. The, like the emotional payload is real. Uh, yeah. And, but but if you like really like, and I love smoking cigarettes, and I hear that's a big part of it. And and, and also the the meditations on religion and faith are <laughs> worth. Which again, I. It's one of those situations where I'm kind of like, I lived it, so I kind of don't need to go back all the time. Like, that's what I liked about this season of Orange is the New Black, is that it was a very, you know, it was a very nuanced and thoughtful exploration, but it wasn't the focus. Yeah. They just kind of nipped a little below the surface, and it's like, I don't, I can't. It's light and breezy. I can't sit there for an entire hour, you know? All right. Well, it's, if it's... I wanted to sit there for an entire hour. I'd go back to church and just cry. <laughs> That's essentially the leftovers. Uh, okay. All right. Well, I already did that in college. So <laughs> I feel, I feel good. Christopher Eccleston was there. It was great. Uh, so this, you know, there's this, this switches gears and it seems like it's a pretty effective, uh, situation for everyone. Cause there's lots of slow motion again, enraptured scenes. Uh, there's Boo and Pinsatucky and Leanne and Angie playing chicken, which I thought was pretty cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially since kind of Angie made up with Pinsatucky at the bus stop. Yeah. Uh, Suzanne's new friend gets bit on a toe by a turtle. And Suzanne, this is really kind of weird, but they have a weird relationship. And also Gingy Cohen, that is a red-eared slider, not a snapping turtle. <laughs> Get your shit straight. Not Hashtag not all turtles. I'm gonna say, is it you or your child who's an insane turtle enthusiast? Uh, well, I mean, there's the genetic, you know, there's there's the whole Punnett Square situation, so I might have passed uh-huh. it on to him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I I might have a frog that's that's going on 20 years old. Wow, that's yeah. impressive. That is super impressive. Like he he's officially exceeded the like average like like like. You know, I'm not saying I'm setting a Guinness World Record, but like, you know, next 10 years, he makes another 10 years, I'm, I'm going to be calling them. Yeah. Pretty incredible. <laughs> uh, cool. But yeah, I actually tried, I thought I got a nice shot of her. There was like a one frame on Netflix where I could see her name tag and it looked like her last name was Kikaboo, but that sounds way too Pokemon to be real. Yeah. But that's what I got. I, I have no idea. She's still P-squared. Um the, the poly, polymorphic perverse, if you if you don't understand the etymology of that. Uh, Pusey and Soso make a floating connection. Uh, number one, are they in the fucking Dead Sea? Because I think that there's some buoyancy for dramatic purposes being I mean, being, being once again, uh, Gay Fantasia set in a women's prison lake. <laughs> so, so they made a, f- a float connection. Do you think they've made a love connection? You mean uh, Suzanne and her superfan, or... 
No. Sorry. Well, yes, that clearly is is some yeah. kind of turtle based connection. Um, wash your hands after you handle those girls because they're filthy, salmonella and all that. Did stuff. you mean so so and yes, say? I did. I don't think so. Really? Yet. Um, but that's that's some I, foreshadowing, yeah. Here's what I think. I think these are two extremely traumatized, broken women. Lonely people. Lonely people. Pusey's uh, gay. But Soso did just try to kill herself, and I think you know they they are potentially bonding over that aspect of things, and we may see it go there. Ah. Um, since we know you know Soso definitely swings that way. She is heteroflexible at the very least, yeah. Um. But I think they're just, you know, they've both kind of found the the companionship or the sort of kinship they were looking for that doesn't necessarily extend to sex. But, you know, uh, Husay kind of got to save somebody, you know? Mm-hmm. Not that I think she has, like, a savior complex, but I think it has made her feel more valuable. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, who knows where they will go? But I'm excited about it. I just I just think that they're enjoying being peaceful hmm. and being briefly free. That's how I would interpret it. Uh, we also find out that Daya has an excellent rock-skipping technique. Uh, Sister Ingalls takes off her pants. And, <gasps> and, and hopefully there I are no Sister eels Ingles. in the Freedom Lake. Uh, Black Cindy gets Mikfood. And I, this is, I, I actually stood strong for the first scene, but I actually teared up because... And it's all about the actress's performance. That underwater mm-hmm. uh, look of just childlike glee uh, got me. She's so no, happy. and again, I mean, this is a character that we thought of as being very tough and very sarcastic. Um, and to see her kind of lay herself bare in this episode and show this vulnerability that we hadn't seen from her before is really amazing. So... Then we have a scene of Norma surveying kind of her whole kingdom and Red comes up and they kind of seem like they're ready to patch things up or Norma's ready to resume her role of massage uh, pedicurist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we also have the beds being installed as big DOC buses are rolling in with, uh, you know, I want to know what love is playing us out. There's just so many new faces. Which is the foreigner song yes. that... Was Lorna's yep. uh, wedding vows. Yep. Uh, and everything comes... In case anybody didn't put that together. <laughs> everything comes full circle. Everything everything comes up Jersey Shore. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And that's that's where we're at for the next season. Any... Yeah, and I will say, I think it's a, it's a testament to Genji Cohen's growth as a showrunner that instead of leaving it with this very you know happy sort of almost series finale-esque thing with them at the lake she does bring it also back show you know here's these beds getting installed and here's all these other people coming in you know here's she's, the storm clouds yeah. she's tipping her hand that there is more to come yeah. you know there's a lot versus of a lot of dramatic maybe season setup. six of weeds which i'm still pissed off about but we don't have time <laughs> to get into that certainly uh any other thoughts you have on the season is there i, I know that i'm going to try to next week have um a little bit of a postseason recap for anybody who wants to to dial in for it um but is there anything else you kind of want to get off your chest about orange the new black or i i couldn't believe they did nikki like that man was so have you i still can't believe that was an episode that we did together yeah i still can't believe that they sent her to max and they never brought her back with you all jezebel gawkard 
I saw a little bit of rumors that maybe there was some contract kerfluffle or some personal mm-hmm. differences that led to that kind of ignominious exit. I mean, which is certainly a possibility. Um, you this heard is actually this is not a show. This is not a show that dispenses with its key players lightly. You know what I mean? Yeah, shit, yeah. Like, they keep bringing Voss back. No shit. Apparently, she's still not, you know, she hasn't been Red Wedding, neither. It's... Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, but I I had a perfectly great time with this season. Again, didn't like it as much as season two, but, uh, yeah, I liked it. That's really all the more I have to say. I think that, honestly, I, I would put it above season two if there was a significant three-episode stretch in the very heart of the season where I felt like the show was lost and I got a bit bored. And I'd never mm-hmm. thought felt that way in season two. So I, I guess I'd have to give it the slight nod. But Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I don't know. We'll see where the future goes. But I thought season two... I have to go back and rewatch the whole thing, but I thought it was pretty close to a perfect season of television, much like season two of Deadwood. So mm. it's hard to say. All right. Well, Kelly Anakin, thank you for joining us. Uh, on Thanks this for season. having me. Thanks for uh, the for for being on us, being with us rather on this Odyssey. <laughs> uh, just get off us. Be with us, can you? Um, and I'm here. I'm I'm with you. If 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 you, it. if people want to follow you on to your other endeavors, uh, where's where where can they they find you at? Check me out at kellyanakin.com if you want to buy my comedy album. That would be super rad. It's only three dollars. It's pretty funny. Uh, I've, I've heard yeah, it's a, it's a funny album. Proud I will I will stand behind it proudly. Um, so all my links to all my stuff is there. And then, um, you can go to baldmove.com for up yours downstairs, which is our Downton Abbey podcast family meeting, which is our Peaky Blinders podcast, which is going on right now. And also the Palm Court, which was our coverage of Mr. Selfridge. And we'll be back with, uh, instant recaps of Downton Abbey in September, as soon as the British airing starts. So that's coming up a lot quicker than I would like to admit. I like how you did that last year. We did the instant for the British, and then you did the oh, full yeah, it was, for American. It worked out great, and I can't believe it took us so long to figure it out. Yeah, because like people always wanted us to do something for the British ones. It's a really and great. Mean, you know, and then then ha- having the full on recap as soon as the episode's over. Yeah, another struggle. Well, and that yeah, I mean that was a huge help because I mean those take us such a long time to recap. Like yeah. every episode is so dense. Yeah. That it was a huge help Plus to kind of some, have a huge head start on it. If you don't know, like, she, they're not like Jim and I where we just get in and bullshit. You know, they actually do, like, hardcore research. They have historical and fashion facts on every single episode of Downton Abbey, which is amazing. And yeah, I mean, we, I mean, that's part of what is so fun about it for us is kind of we get to learn a lot of stuff and then share that. And we have really great listeners that we call cousins because mm-hmm. it's all about the cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, but they will also really help us out and kind of pass along any historical tidbits that they come across from the time period, which is great. That's uh, that's that for that. If you guys would like to send some feedback in on the postseason recap, uh, do that at orange at baldmove.com or get on our forums at forums.baldmove.com and uh, put your thoughts there and I will try to harvest them and uh, we will see you a couple days. I'm like I said, I recorded this out of sequence, so we'll see you sometime in the future. <laughs> One of these days. With swarmhole technology. And we'll see you then. (laughs) 